0: Hey, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into the word. We're looking at and studying the book core 52 by Pastor Mark Moore And today's chapter 6 you read chapter 6 if you've been in it <clears throat> We're gonna look at Jesus and Moses before we get into the Bible study. We're gonna pray uh, But I also wanted to just make it a quick announcement We've started a new database program for the church a uh, way that we can connect and text and email and call everybody Um, We need to make sure that we have an updated email address and phone number for you and so you can uh, Text me pastor Arthur at me.com me.com and just or text me if you have a phone number Um, just give me an update with your email address and uh, uh, That's all you want to put that's fine too Um, your name who you are and and we wanna make sure that as we start sending out email addre- email messages, uh, we just send out a, a form to, uh, we wanna find out who has some needs out in our, in our congregation, if there's any needs, and uh, if not, great. And if you don't have a need, you might have a need to help somebody else. And so we wanna do that too. So uh, give us an updated email address for you, updated phone number, uh, just send it to, to myself um, and we'll, uh, we'll add you and s- bother you with emails and uh, let you know that we're thinking about you, praying for you. And we're uh, constantly doing that, especially in this season of change, in this different way of, of living, of doing life and of doing church especially. And so we want to be mindful of, of, uh, of our people. And we're trying to do that and hopefully in the next two or three weeks maybe a word on the street is is that we might be able to to congregate again uh, and live in person and with each other so we'll we'll see how that goes continue to pray I know our pastor is uh, is seeking the Lord's direction and guidance on that issue as well and and maybe there'll be information from the governor and the mayor and all of that that's uh, in line with what we what we need to do. I think he's getting a lot of heat right now, the mayor, of, um, you know, you can take your dog to the groomer now, um, but you can't go to church. So, uh, I don't know about that, but anyways. So, we're, we're just going to keep on praying and bringing the word of God and... Um, letting God be God in our lives. Amen. Let's open up in a word of prayer as we begin this Bible study and uh, see what God has to to reveal to us tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening that you've allowed us to gather and uh, we gather the best ways that we can, Lord, the best ways that we're able to right now and and through technology and um, phones and computers and all of that. Lord, let your word go forth. Let it permeate and penetrate into our hearts and our minds. We thank you, Lord, that your word does not return void unto you, but that it does accomplish that which you've established and sent it out to do. And so we know that your word brings us peace. It brings us comfort. It brings us light. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It will give us direction if we uh, use it uh, to, to uh, light to put light on our road and our path and um, just where we are headed in life. And so we we give you praise and honor and glory. We ask for your wisdom, Lord, for the Spirit of the Holy Spirit to teach us, Lord, tonight and guide us into all your truths. And Lord, really reveal to us things that we may not have considered or we may not have understood or been, have even been aware of Um when it relates to who you are, and whose we are, and how that plays out in our lives, so we give you praise and honor and glory, in Jesus' precious name we pray, Amen. And God, all God's people said Amen. So I'm listening for a big, loud Amen coming across the internet. Well, we're going to get into the to the Bible study today. We're looking at uh, again uh, Core Fifty Two. The book by Mark Moore, it's a discipleship book, uh, a devotional, um, 15 minutes a day or 15 minutes a week, uh, 15 minutes a day would be a great, each lesson is, is, gives you a lesson for the week, allows you to journey through uh, uh, different topics that, uh, uh, that are instrumental and foundational. Um, I think that as I went through this lesson today, as I went through this chapter a lot of uh, a lot of side trails were taken, and um, some foundations were laid. Uh, just even for me, as as um, reading um, some of this uh, some of this chapter, and uh, and so we'll uh, we'll try and keep it uh, well semi short, <laughs> but uh, uh, but not anyways. All right, so chapter six: Jesus and Moses. We're looking at. Comparing those two, we're um, we're looking at a Deuteronomy 18:18. 18, 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like from you, among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded. Deuteronomy 18:18. 18, 18. And the question that uh, Mark Moore asks is, did Jesus fulfill the promise to replace Moses? This promise that God gave Moses to tell the people, to tell the people of Israel, to say, I will raise for up for them. I will raise up for them. God is setting up a promise that I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, like Moses, <clears throat> from among their brothers. And he will put his words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that he commanded. And so as the children of Israel would wait, as we would be waiting for this prophet to come that would be replacing Moses or taking up the, the mantle, um, the question becomes, did Jesus fulfill the promise to replace Moses? And here's some things to consider. We're gonna look through scripture and see in how they um, are similar, how they relate uh, to each other and point each other to this promise that God has fulfilled or is fulfilling um, in the bringing of the Messiah and this prophet and God promised that the Messiah would be someone like Moses and they prophesy wasn't uh, on the rabbis they viewed Moses as a model for the future Messiah now Christians took their cue from them portraying Jesus as the new Messiah and both were, and here's something to, to consider when we compare Jesus and Moses. Both were liberators, lawgivers, and shepherds. Both were liberators, lawgivers, and shepherds. Both were rescued as infants in Egypt, tested in the wilderness, and suffered for the nations. So as we see the similarity of Jesus and Moses and, and their life and how God has revealed clues as to who this Jesus is, or his role and his purpose. Um, wow, what a what a powerful what a powerful comparison in just those two those those examples right there. Uh, to compare any Jew to the founder of the nation was an outrageous claim. Consider for a minute, living in that time. And all of a sudden, Jesus came on, uh, on the scene as he was just a part of the scene. And then, because see, Jesus was just that. He was just another Jew to everyone else. And, and especially pre-resurrection. See, here's a point of view. So I came into Christianity uh, post-resurrection. That's the Jesus that I got to meet. So I got to know this Jesus. I came to Christ as who he was in the fullness of his um, work for uh, work of the kingdom, his his revelation knowledge of of him coming and and being Lord and and King and and being the Messiah. And and we get to see, um, you know, who he we, we get to see the the after. Right. This when when. When they're looking to compare Jesus as just another Jew to the to that day, well, that's that's different. You know, there's a picture of me when I was 12 years old in my mother's room, and uh, most there's not a lot of people that are around me or that are around <laughs> uh, that knew me when I was 12, right? Uh, at different ages, we come into different we come into people's lives or people come into our lives in different stages of our own lives, you know, from, for me, from zero to five, there's, there's only a handful of people that, that would still know me then, right? As a, as a little boy or from my age of six to 11 um, or 12 to 18, my high school years, junior high, high school years, there's, you know, we just went to our my 40th high school reunion. So, so there were people that would have known me back then, and um, and known me, you know, throughout the rest of my life, you know, just people that came into my life in my 20s or my 30s or my 40s or into my 50s uh, that maybe didn't know me back then. Right? And so all of that to, to get a perspective of, you know, when, when I came into faith of Christ, he was already the Messiah. He had already... Uh, rose from the dead. He had already suffered on the cross, <clears throat> so he was who he is. And um, what this lesson starts to show is some, uh, some, some compelling case that Jesus fulfilled the messianic prophecy. And and so the question is, if he did, well, then what? See, if there was this messianic prophecy from God, this promise from God that he was going to give this prophet who was going to be this Messiah. And if it is Jesus, then all who were waiting for him would now have to realize that he actually has come. And see, as we accepted Jesus, that's what we did. Um, in our lesson, we take a look at the uh, the New Testament and how these different um, what what he calls what Mark, Pastor Mark Mark calls as allusions, because they're not scientific facts, I guess, but um, similarities or their uh, um, illustrations and that that can be applied. Uh, we start with Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount. Six times we read that jesus to the effect that moses said but jesus said but i say so he was relating himself to even moses he was saying moses said but i say you know pretty pretty gutsy to address what he was about to say to supersede or to change what moses had said and see one of the first things that that god had to do when he brought Jesus on the scene, is he had to change people's thinking. He, he had to change their mindset. He had to change their idea of, of what was, is now no longer going to be the way it's going to be. Things are going to change because, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so um, this change is being, is being lived out. Uh, Jesus clearly saw himself not merely as an authoritative interpreter of the Mosaic law, but as one who could fulfill and even extend the divine law. So Jesus had a a major understanding of of what he was about to do, but he also knew, uh, because he knew who he is at the time, who he was, who he is, he was able to move within authority to make those changes. And so the question comes to us is, do we know who we are in Christ? Do we really understand if Jesus knew who he was in his authority because he was in the beginning, he was with the Father. when in the beginning it said, in the beginning let us make man by, in our image. And he is a part of the us. And he knew... All that he was before he knew that he was about his father's business and so he knew to operate he knew that he could call legions of angels down upon and wipe everybody out but it wasn't according to God's will it wasn't according to the plan that he was set to do and so he operated from an internal awareness do we operate from that same internal awareness of really who we are in Christ. Because we're not really questioning uh, whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. We, we already know that he is. We're, we're not questioning whether or not Jesus is God. We, we truly believe that he is. In, in the lesson, Matthew seemed to agree, shaping the entire book in the shadow of Moses, beginning with his birth, Jesus mirrored Moses. In Egypt, he was saved from a tyrannical despot. He survived his testing in the wilderness after passing through water. Jesus' five major sermons mirror the Torah, the five books of Moses. Both Jesus and Moses were known as humble leaders. Moses and Jesus have a conversation on the top of a mountain during the transfiguration. And finally, Jesus' last supper was during the Passover meal that Moses established. And so, clearly Moses foreshadowed Jesus. This would cause a major shift in one's life to accept that Jesus was also, was, and is, the fulfillment of God's promise, according to Deuteronomy 18.18. Then what? It's almost like the question that we have to ask ourselves when Jesus asked, well, who do they say that I am? We have to ask that same question, or we've had to answer that same question. Who do you say Jesus is? And if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, well, you would say, well, he's the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is God in flesh. And so when there becomes that awareness, everything changes in our lives. There's a major shift that has to take place in our lives. Uh, for Luke, it's clearly not enough to equate Jesus with Moses. Jesus, in his view, is greater by far than Moses. Uh, first at the transfiguration, Luke recorded God's voice, which said, listen to him. Listen to him, for this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And whom I have sent. The Bible says this is it. Says that I have sent him. And that you are to listen to him over Moses. Jesus is the unparalleled Son of God. Later, Luke recorded this vivid declaration by Paul about Jesus in Acts 13, 39. By whom everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Who we are in Christ Jesus. What, what impact does Jesus have on our lives? If if the resurrection, we know the Apostle Paul says, if the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith is in vain. But if it did happen, then this scripture in Acts 13, or 39, lets us know that by him, by Jesus, by this person who God sent, by this new prophet, by this new prophet, priest, and king, because Jesus held the office of all three, nobody else held the office of all three, uh, uh, Melchizedek, prophet, priest, and king. By him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. There are still generations of people living by the law of Moses, trying to be freed by the law of Moses. And yet, Acts 13, 39, the Apostle Paul, who was probably one of the greatest Jews next to Jesus, one of the greatest, who would have been the greatest rabbi in the synagogue, in the community, who would have been one of the greatest teachers of the Torah, writes and says, that by everyone who believes is freed from everything which could not be freed by the law of Moses. So who we are in Christ, it was we are a people set free. Turning from Luke to John's gospel, we see the same superiority of Jesus the Messiah over Moses the prophet in John thirteen, in John 3, 14 through 15. And Jesus alluded to Numbers 21, 49. When, when deadly vipers went on a rampage, striking the rebellious Israelites, Moses pleaded with God to relent. His solution was to have Moses place a bronze serpent on a pole and lift it up. And anyone who looked upon that raised serpent by faith was healed of the venomous bite. Jesus compared to Moses, Jesus compared his crucifixion to the bronze serpent of Moses. He said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. John three fourteen and fifteen. Jesus was the Messiah, and only a, was. And Moses was only a prophet. Moses lifted up a serpent on a pole. Jesus <laughs> had himself lifted up on a cross. The similarities to set the people free, to heal them, to to bring about change in your life. Two chapters later, we find Jesus debating with religious leaders. <laughs> you know, it's never a good idea uh, to debate with Jesus. <laughs> uh, but how many of us still debate with Jesus? How many of us still have conversations with Jesus where we, we, we ask him, maybe he needs to call in a key witness. <laughs> and, and he did call in a key witness here. He called in Moses to testify. He says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Who do you have set your hope on? Is it Jesus? Is it Moses? Is it the law of Moses? Is it the works? Or is it the grace of God? For uh, The scripture says, for if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? John chapter five, verses 45 and 47. You know, as I read through this chapter, there's this chapter five, you know, we're all very familiar with John three sixteen. It becomes a very familiar passage. I would encourage you to become as familiar with John chapter five verses 31 through 47 and that should become the Christian foundation, what Jesus shares and what he speaks about and what he gives us. And we're not gonna take that detour, maybe we'll, we'll do a special uh, in the corner, in the pastor's corner or a teaching on it uh, in the near future and lay a foundation for our Christian walk out of God's word. Thus, in both chapters 3 and 5 of John, Jesus is superior to Moses, not his equal. Not only does Jesus fulfill the prediction of Moses, he also supersedes the person of Moses. You know, right now there's a, a TV show on, The Last Dance. It's a a history documentary of the life of Michael Jordan and haven't been able to watch it yet. I've been uh, uh, quarantined from watching it until uh, Emily comes and we can watch it together. Um, but there's a comparison between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. The late Kobe Bryant. And uh, uh, if Kobe was alive, he and I think he has uh, expressed that he is... That there would be no Kobe Bryant if there had not been a Michael Jordan. That he, he imitated his... Work ethic and his game and his ability to play and his 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 dedication and his determination to that which of Michael Jordan and so It, it lends for us as we you know growing up. I was always you know, uh, my heroes, right? You're always either superman for a while and then my heroes became uh, jerry west and uh, <laughs> uh, wanted to be like him and and so here we become like jesus here we 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 want to imitate not just moses but we're going to supersede our ability to be to to follow one man for another who really warrants us to follow in the very next chapter of john there's a whole discussion about the bread and about the manna and jesus said truly truly i say to you it was not moses who gave you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world verses 32 and 33. clearly jesus claimed to be superior to moses He wasn't merely God's messenger. He was God's gift. The very bread of life, verse 48. The very bread of life. And furthermore, the Israelites under Moses ate manna and died. But Jesus is the bread from heaven that provides eternal life. Verses 48 and 51. This text exalts Jesus way above Moses. You see, Jesus was trying to illustrate, you know, my Father gave you the bread for you to eat that was temporary. And there's no denying that you had no food and the bread came. But Jesus is saying, but I'm also from my Father who has given you the bread of life. And this bread is bread that gives life to the world. And he even said that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was Jesus. (laughs) The Word that became flesh. The Word the bread of life that has been given to us and allows us to eat eternal life is is who this Jesus is Paul likewise drew a parallel between the first and second redeemers for him Jesus is far superior this clearly is seen in his allegory in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 about the wilderness wanderings of Moses and here Jesus isn't compared to Moses the liberator which Seems like an obvious enough connection. Instead, Jesus is the rock from which the Israelites drank. All drank the same spiritual drink. They, For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. They had no water, and God said to Moses, Gather the people and strike the rock, and out of the rock flowed water for them to drink from. And Scripture says that And the rock was Christ, the water. In other words, Moses was God's messenger to Israel, but Jesus was God's gift to Israel. Wow, what an amazing understanding. that John 6 focused on manna and the bread of life, and 1 Corinthians 10 focused on the rock and the water of life, but both exalt Jesus above Moses and so Moses provided both temporarily Jesus the manna from heaven Jesus is the real bread of life and the real water of life Jesus said if you come to me I will I will give you a drink that will be like a freshing brook like the the waters of a living stream comes back to our question of, am I aware of who I am in Christ? Am I aware of who Christ is in me? Does my life reflect the fact that I have been given this and live, being able to live by a stream of, of living waters that's coming out that I should be refreshed? I should be freshed in my spirit. And that's what I should be seen as people would know me as a fresh stream of Living water and bread, and even if nobody else knows that I should be able to live my life with that and the joy of that that should come and follow, knowing that I have been given something because of my relationship with Christ, that nothing else, the law of Moses cannot bring that into my life. Another example comes from second Corinthians three thirteen through eighteen when, Paul recalled the incident in Exodus 34 33, and and after Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, his face shone because he had been in the presence of God. Wow. Realizing that when, God, when Moses was in the presence of God, his, his countenance lit up. You know, there's a passage in the Bible where the disciples are accused of, of having been with Jesus, of, of being able to be to be known because they were with Jesus. Shouldn't that be our gift to those whose paths we cross that, that people would see that we too have been with Jesus? That if we spend time in prayer, if we spend time in the Word, if we spend time in fellowship with God and praising Him, and shouldn't that be recognizable in our life too? His face shone because he had been in the presence of God. He somehow absorbed a bit of God's glory. And the effect was not long lived. It faded. And however, Moses veiled his face after speaking to the crowd so they wouldn't see the glory fading. Who knows how many times he repeated the cycle, talk to God, talk to the crowd, cover his fading face. See, Moses, there was a moment where he, he would go and he would be with God, he would talk to God, he would get filled up with God and he would, it would be evident and he would go and share with the people and then his countenance would, would, re, would, would lower, he would fade. Moses expressed God's glory, but it faded. And so he hid under the veil. But when Paul compared Moses with Jesus, He compared the fading glory of Moses with the unfading glory of Jesus on the Christian. See, we should not be, our our countenance should not fade. The glory of God inside of us, the, the greater that he is in me, should not fade. And if it does it's not because Jesus had turned down the, <laughs> the temperature maybe it's our awareness of it Scripture tells us well with we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit 2 Corinthians 3:18 We are being transformed into the same image. Kobe Bryant spent years being transformed into the same image of Michael Jordan, out of works, out of study, out of recognizing his work ethic, out of recognizing his dedication and those things that he had control of to be able to duplicate and to up-level his game. And yet here we could up level our Christian life, which is not a game. But we could kick it up a notch and take it to the next level. Every day we could because 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we are being transformed into the same image one degree at a time of glory. It doesn't need to fade. It should be able to continue to be bright as christians we have unveiled faces showing the glory of christ as we are being transformed here the glory of the law was was allegorically compared to the fading glory of the face of moses it was fading because jesus would replace it notably moses was compared not to christ but to christians and Christ is the unfading glory itself, the embodiment of the new law that replaced the old. Out with the old, in with the new. Jesus came onto this earth and he, he had to position himself. He had to prepare people to understand that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, that God has come to do a new thing. It's a new work. You and I are going to be new creations in Christ as we as we are being transformed by His glory because of the work of Christ, not because of anything that we are able to do on our own. In fact, the more that we rely on God and His Spirit, the more we are refilled. It says to be, don't be filled and don't be drunk with wine and all of that stuff. Be filled with the Holy Spirit as we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us what should that impact what should the impact of that be not only on ourselves but on those whose paths are lucky enough to cross as we become salt and light as we become the god colors of the world as we reflect his grace and his love as we share with others the impact of christ Not with veiled faces, but with the face that is filled with the glory of God. Because we have been spending time with him. In summary, Jesus is not Moses. Instead, he is the manna, the water, and the glory of God. Moses, the messenger, gave way to Jesus the means of connecting with God. Jesus is superior to Moses and fulfilled the promise of God. So the question back was, did Jesus fulfill the promise of Moses, of the prophet? And if he did, what then? See, there's generations of of people that are waiting for that law to still be, that promise to still be fulfilled. But hey, it has been. If you will only look with eyes to see and have ears to hear. You see, this is the, precisely the point of Hebrews 3, 3 through 6. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is being built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. The builder of all things is God. Do we stop and take time and allow For God to be the builder of all things in my life, to be the builder of my life, to be the builder of my marriage, to be the builder of my business, to be the builder of my church, to be the builder of my career. If the builder of all things is God, if if he is the great architect, if there's no one more wiser, if there's no one more uh, with more wisdom. And if we lay our feet, our lives down before him and we say, Lord direct me and guide me. Let your light be a, a light under my path. Let me not move under my own understanding. Let me, let me put it in neutral and, and figure this out based on what, who you are, my conversation with you. <laughs> Gathering facts, looking at the circumstances, and then sitting in neutral and saying, okay, Lord, what do we do next? What do we do next? For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in, God, in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. In fact, his Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. There is a new work to allow the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going I'm to go away, and when I go away, I'm going to send the helper, I'm going to send the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is here upon us and, and in us and on this world and this earth. And all that is required is our free will. All that is required for life to be fantastic for everybody. Because James says, you fight and you argue because you don't get what you want. And if we, if we put our wants and our needs and our desires aside and we said, how can we help each other? How can we fulfill the great command, the greatest commandment, the two? Jesus said, I bring you two commandments love god with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself as we as we conclude tonight as we leave ourselves with some some thoughts to ponder about as we compare jesus and moses as we look at the similarities of their life to answer that question did god fulfill the promise that he gave in Deuteronomy 18.18 with Jesus. And if he did, what next? What do we do now with that? A couple things, some final thoughts. Moses instituted the Passover. Jesus is the sacrificial Lamb of God. Moses offered manna Jesus is the bread from heaven. Moses miraculously provided water from the rock, but Jesus is the rock. When we stop and we realize that, that Jesus supersedes everything. Hebrews tells us in the days that... in. In the days before, God spoke to us in many ways, and He spoke through prophets and, and, and signs and wonders. But now in these last days, He speaks through us through His Word, His Son. All we have to do is pay attention to the leading of His Spirit and the directing of His Spirit in our lives. And what can we do as the voice of the body of Christ to bring awareness to the superiority of this Nazarene we call Jesus, who we follow, who we... Our purpose and our pursuit is the Imago day is to be more like Christ, to put on the mind of Christ, to, to live through the grace and the love of Christ, the compassion of of Christ to be able to look through the eyes of Christ as as Jesus would look upon those who we stand before if we say Lord don't let me look through my own eyes let me look through your eyes at this person that I'm looking at before me and maybe their life might not uh, line up with the Word of God and maybe they're choices might not be the best and maybe mine might not be the best and yet we can we can stand with with that awareness of looking at that cross that was raised like Moses raised that s- staff with the s- serpent on it Jesus said, I will raise this cross, that you will raise the Son of Man and all will come and will be drawn unto me. Let us be the reason why people come to Christ, not the reason why they say, I don't want anything to do with them. Let our faces shine brightly with the glory of God. Let our lives speak with encouragement, Let our conversations always be filled with grace and hope and let our lives be filled with the love of God that is shed abroad, that he has shed abroad in our hearts by his Holy spirit. And because of that, we will be the salt to make people thirsty for Jesus. And we will be the light that shines brightly in a dark world. That changes and transforms everything. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this lesson and this teaching, Lord. We, We thank you that as we compare ourselves to you and to the life that you have called us to, let our lives reflect that which would bring you glory and honor. And let us be mindful. That though we make mistakes, our lives can be white as snow. and That as we pursue you, that you will restore us, that you will transform us, that you specifically and purposefully came to this earth to set us free from all the sins and the chains that bind us. And so we give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless. See you guys on Sunday morning, 1045. And uh, that's it. Wednesday night Bible study. Glad to be with you. God bless.